0: Uh, we're going to be finishing up First John chapter 5 is where we have been going through. We've uh, made it through 1, 2, 3, 4, and now we're on 5. First John chapters 1 and 2, we discussed walking in God's light. And how many know that uh, light and darkness do not mix? The light overtakes the darkness, Right? I could turn off all the light switches in here and it'd get dark, but as soon as you turn the light switch on, the light overtakes the darkness. How many know that God has overtaken darkness and he's, he's, he has given us the ability to overcome darkness in our lives? I love that. And chapters two and, uh, or I'm sorry, three and four, we discussed uh, God's love. How many are grateful for God's love? If it was not for his love, Amen. And here in this final section of this epistle, uh, John talks about experiencing God's life. And so uh, Jesus said this, he came to give us life and life what? More abundantly, more abundantly. And and here's the thing, you will not have abundant life apart from Jesus Christ. You may have life, but you will not have abundant life without Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, we have to be connected to the vine amen and we have to be connected to him and so uh, we have to be in fellowship with the Lord And so I kind of want to start with that right there just a little bit Uh, uh, in chapter 5 it starts right here verse 1 everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him this is uh, this is a great verse, really. I, I really like the way this starts. So, everyone who loves the Father will also love the Son. Um, it's the, it's the spirit of John talks about this a little bit in in the epistle here. In in but it's the spirit of Antichrist that says, "I love God, but I don't love the Son of God." There are two different levels. Okay, um, some people may say that in John chapter fourteen. I talked about this Sunday. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples that they would. Know the way to the Father because of Him, because of Jesus. Right, uh, John chapter fourteen, verse eleven. It says, "Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the uh, very uh, works' sake." So he's answering Philip's question. Remember, Thomas had a, Thomas had a question. Hey Lord, which way do we go? Right, show us the way. Uh, or, and, and Philip comes along, and he has a question, and he's saying, hey, show us the way to the Father. And Jesus said, if you know me, you'll know the Father. The best way to know the Lord is to look through Jesus Christ, is to know Jesus Christ. And so Jesus goes on to say this in John chapter 14, that he is going to wa- uh, going away, and he's sending the com- comforter. And uh, That word comforter there is the paraclete. It's, it's the word paraclete uh, in the Greek how many have ever heard that in church? All right, just a, oh, nobody? Okay, all right, a few a few of you have heard that. And that is, literally means what it says, the comforter, talking about the Holy Spirit. In uh, John chapter 14, verse 26, moving down a little bit further, uh, Jesus says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, how, Who? how will he send him? In Jesus' name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So some would say this, and I, this is a little, little off track here. Uh, some would say there's no trinity. Some people say that. There's not a, a father, a son, and the Holy Spirit. They they, they want to disagree with that. But Jesus himself here shows us he speaks of the father, and he speaks of himself, and he speaks of the Holy Spirit and, and this is what we know. Jesus, he connects us to the Father, right? The Holy Spirit connects us to Jesus. And, and Jesus said right here, we'll know the way of Jesus because the Holy Spirit will remind us and teach us and show us. When we're going, uh, when we're driving down the road and we're aggravated at somebody, I'm talking to myself right now, all right? The Holy Spirit will speak to me and say, you are not acting like Christ, Pastor Skiles. He'll remind me, hey, I need to be a little long-suffering. Maybe I should let this person over that didn't see the sign that said get over a mile and a half back, right? So, so uh, here, here is a picture of the Godhead, three and one. Just a, just a quick observation to point out, um, and that's not the full reason of tonight's study, but just to point that out. Okay, look at this. Verse 2 says this. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments, all right? Um, in in First John chapter four, uh, we talked this la- last time we were together. The second part of that verse, in in eight, it says this: it says God is what, love. God is love, because God is love. Okay, because God is love. The closer I get to the Lord, the more that His character will start to rub off on me. Right. Okay, if the Lord's character is not rubbing off on you, you might not be getting closer to the Lord. Okay, so the character of the Lord will begin to rub off on me. And the more, here's what happens when his character rubs off on me, the more I start to love his children. It's just the way, that's just the way it should be. Listen. Uh, i 'll give you a good example when me and Tristan were dating. The more that she hung out with me, all right the more that she hung out with me, the more she saw that I was the one that she was going to marry okay I, you know the more that she loved me right okay that 's a terrible example it 's probably the other way around um, but the more like and we 've been married now for almost twenty years now and and guess what our our natures begin to rub off on each other sometimes. We can complete each other's sentences. Sometimes I can know exactly what my wife's saying when someone's talking and she can know exactly what I, come on, how many know what I'm talking about? And that's what happens when you spend time with the Lord. That means this. The closer I get to the Lord, I'll become more Christ-like in nature. Amen? Amen? All right. That should be our, our heart's cry. Some say, well... Uh, I, I don't go to church because church people are hypocrites and flawed. I mean, how many have ever heard that? I'll just stay at home. I'll just go to my church in my house, right, because there's no hypocrites there, right? Okay, come on, somebody. Here's what, what that, what the, you know, if you call God's children hypocrites, John says that you're not truly close to the Father, That's that's what he's saying right there. If you're close to the Father, you're going to love everybody. Hey, they may be flawed, there may be mistakes in them, but you're going to love them anyways. And and you're gonna you're gonna. How many know that God loves His children? Can I tell you this? Love is not easily offended. Love is not. Hey, when you're walking in the true love of God, you're not easily offended. Uh, I love that statement. I said this to our missions team when we before we left. I said, "Blessed are the." flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape, right? And I said, on a mission trip, you better be ready because you better be flexible because there's going to be some things that are going to happen that you are not going to expect to happen, and there's going to be some uh, game time decisions where you're going to be audibles, and if you're a scheduled person and you go on a mission trip, you better be ready that something's not going to turn out the way that you thought it was going to turn out. But that's what happens. So so love, it's not easily offended. Verse, verse 3 says this, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments, okay, all right, are not what? Woo, his commandments are not burdensome, right? They're not hard to keep, okay? For for everybody who says, hey, man, I just have a hard time keeping the Lord's command, John, what are you with you? And tell you, no way, Jose, they're not hard to keep, the closer you get to the Lord, the more you want to keep those commandments. The more you don't want to offend the Lord. The more you you stop and go, Lord, I know I shouldn't do this, so I'm not going to do this because you have something better for me. So God's uh, commandment for all of us is to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? And to love our neighbor, what? As ourselves. All right. Uh, and... and um that is not difficult to discern or even understand. Matter of fact, I could probably bring a four-year-old kid in here and they could understand I need to love God and I need to love other people, right? Most, most kids get this better than some adults, okay? Um, but here's, here's what, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can follow these commands, it's only through the Holy Spirit that we're able to do this. If you try to do this on your own, you're going to fail, you're going to mess up. You 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 know, I don't know about you. I need the Holy Spirit every day. Every day. So his commands are are not burdensome uh, when we're walking closely to the Lord. His nature's rubbing off on us, right? And, and because we want to love the Lord and we want to please the Lord. Guess what? We'll do whatever it takes to please him. We want to please him with our lives. We won't live in a way that will willfully want to offend or sin against God or a person. Now, come on, somebody! I know that's that's really good teaching right there. I I like John. I, I like the way he he throws it out. Uh, we will love like the Lord with the Holy Spirit's guidance. So, uh, verse four says this: For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Did you did you just like? Whew, shout me down! Do you do you realize what that says? You guys are looking at me like like a new deer looks at or a new cow looks at a gate. For this, uh, that verse four says this: For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. How many man? That is powerful. You you guys you are not catching this tonight. Let me read it to you one more time. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that is uh, has overcome the world. Our faith. Verse five. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So how do we overcome temptation? How do we overcome seductions? How do we over? Uh, uh, overcome attractions of the world. Listen to me. It's not by a program, but it's through a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. He is the way, okay? He is the way. It's through him. Uh, John 16, 33 says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I... Jesus, have overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than is in the world. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. I love that. That's, that's potent. Everyone, everyone look at your neighbor and say, that is potent. Stop moping. You're an overcomer. That's what that tells me. Some of you need to tell your heart that you are an overcomer. Amen. Oh, thank you, Marianne. Romans 8:11 it says this, tells us that if we if we know Christ, if we know Christ, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in you and I. That tells me this. There is no power in hell that can overcome me. When I have Jesus Christ. If that, uh, if that spirit can raise Christ to life. Listen to me. It can help you overcome sin. Addiction. Pornography. Lust. Whatever whatever thing is holding you back. So Jesus is the one who overcame the world. He dealt with every temptation successfully. Right? Uh, the one who, who stared the enemy down. And listen. He takes up residence in us. Greater is he. That is in you that is is in the world. Amen. With Jesus, I can overcome temptation. Some of you say, oh, I struggle with temptation. I'm not saying that sometimes you're going you're gonna to make bad decisions, but you can overcome t- t- temptation. Scripture tells us that God will make a way of escape. Come on. And, and this is where discernment comes in. Lord, I need you to help me find that escape right now, whatever that looks like. Uh, and so so I can overcome temptation and sin and live a victorious life free over sin because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Verse 6 says this, this is he who came by water and, and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. So this is one of those really interesting uh, bits of scripture right here. Keep in mind that that through this whole epistle, John is 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 t- talking about battling Gnostics, right? How do you remember that from from the week week one? Okay, Gnostics. Who are they? They were people who had this belief, and they would come in and they'd say Jesus was really here. He was a he was not a he never was a person. He was a phantom. He was a spirit. And so they're, what they're trying to do is take the, uh, the the man that Jesus ever was a man and say that he was only a deity. But how many know that Jesus Christ came, he was a man, right? He, he put on this flesh. He lived a victorious life. And, and so we, and I talked about that in week one. If you don't know all about that, go back and listen to the podcast. It's on there, okay? So, uh, so they taught that Christ was this uh, phantom or spirit, but he, but he didn't have a physical body. And they believe that that the spirit that came upon Jesus is, is, is at at his baptism left him before his death, is what they what the Gnostics would say, okay? Water and blood is seen uh, as four possible things here. Okay, I'll give you these, and you can you can search these out. Say why do you why do you why don't you just tell us? Well, some things are worth you digging into sometimes, right? So look at this, uh, Jesus. Uh, the first one, water and blood. Number one is this: Jesus' baptism and his death. Okay, that could be one of them. How many remember when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist? Right, he came in baptized. The Lord, uh, for a loud voice from heaven came down and said, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. And there was a dove, right? It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. So baptism and his death. We're getting ready to talk about that on on Good Friday. Here's the second thing that some say this may be talking about, his in, incarnation. And here's the third thing. The water and the blood that flowed from his side on, on the cross of Calvary. Some some say it could be that. Some scholars say that. Here's the, the last one. As baptism of believers and the Lord's supper. Some could talk about that. So, but honestly, most scholars favor the first of water representing his baptism and blood representing his death. All right? So, look at this. Next verse, uh, next part of this verse says, "And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth." I won't say the Spirit is the truth. Okay. All right. Buckle up. Here we go. Got to go back to the Trinity here. Verse 7 says, starts with this for there are 3 that testify there are 3 that testify uh you know uh it's all right i want how many brought your bible all right look down at your bible if you have your bibles open look down uh some of you uh if you have a newer translation this verse may be footnoted in your bible uh it may not uh, it may not even appear in there in your Bible if you have a uh a newer translation, it may be there if you have a king james version it 's probably in there most likely um and and this is what happens there so anytime you see anything in your Bible that has italics okay all right a little little Bible lesson here if you see anything that has italics this is what this is what happens here uh newer translations uh as uh you know, they say this, that it is not on the original manuscript. So the word of God, the way that they look at this, they look at the original manuscripts and they take the Greek or the Aramaic and they, they break it down and they begin to to give it to us. And So italics, uh, are these are usually in italics or a footnote in your Bible. So this is honestly one of the most powerful statements of the Trinity uh, throughout the Bible, really. And honestly, it's... It, it, this is interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm to tell you a little bit more about this because, so you can kind of understand this. So, uh, one being one of the most powerful statements of the Trinity takes place here, whose validity is questioned in some good translations. Okay, you're saying, hey, Pastor, what what translation should we use or not use? Listen, uh, there are moments where some get it right and others get it wrong. Some are wor- wordier than they need to be, and some aren't. So, listen, I, I, you just that's you need to pray on that and ask the Lord to show you how many Bibles do I have I I, I promise you I bet I have 15 16 Bibles. I do physical Bibles and, and I look at all of them there's times when I'm having trouble understanding something I look at all of them and I look at and I look for consistencies and inconsistencies and things and you know sometimes uh, you know people don't always get it right. come on somebody all right. Are you saying that the the bible has flaws no i'm not saying that at all but I, but i i'm saying this that that sometimes in certain translations all right there you know there may be some things that that don't come out right so uh, but look at this this statement is for there are three that testify that's pretty important i feel like that's super important to be in the word of god so we can understand the nature of god all right among them, so here's another verse, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you another, I'll give you a few of them, you can write these down, you can look at these, uh, some other verses that are in italics most likely in your Bible, John chapter 8, the story of the woman taken in adultery, that would be one, Mark 16, uh, 15, and that goes on for a little bit, and then Romans 8, 1, okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna break those down a little bit for you, I'm not here to, to give you a dissertation on what translation to use or not use, but I'm just gonna, I am just want to i want to share something with you, okay, As you kind of see what's important. So it's important that when we're studying such things, we not only have copies of the original text, but here's what happens sometimes. Some people have, okay, um, the original uh, copies, the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so they they begin to translate, you know, these things directly off of this. And some things are not uh, always there and some things are. But this is what we do know. We do have, okay, what we do have, the early church fathers preaching some sermons out of these very texts. So just because they're not in there physically, okay, or maybe part of that uh, Dead Sea Scroll or a portion of that is not not fully there. And so we have to look at, so whose validity is questioned? Uh, and so we, we have to look at this fully, all right? If you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. All right, a few of you are there. So look at this. Um, so whatever, whatever text they had in their hands, and the early church fathers uh, you know what you know they, some new translations say it's it was may have been there, it may not they, some of them put it in there, and they just put a footnote, some of them don't put it in there, certain things you know sometimes you see these people who say, "Well, this Bible says this, this Bible says, well there's a reason you know um, some are showing what 's in the original." Dead Sea Scrolls, and some aren't, and so it's not, and sometimes I think the devil throws that stuff out there just so we'll argue over stuff, all right, but some of these things that I'm talking about here are super important to knowing who Christ is, so if these passages were not pivotal, listen to me, if these passages were not pivotal, it wouldn't be such a big deal, but I, I see something more than just a coincidence in attacking such powerful passages. I'll give you some examples. Look at this. I said Romans eight one. Romans eight one. In in the New King James Version, it says, and many of you can quote this verse. Okay, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How many love that verse? If you have a newer translation, it probably stops right there. But the the King James Version actually goes on to say this, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So newer translations may leave that out. Older translations keep that in. So it leaves out, it says there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, but then it leaves out how to walk it out. All right? Uh, uh, So, and, and that's important. So look at this, Mark 16. Early manuscripts talk about the resurrection, but they leave out verses nine through twenty of that whole chapter that 's a big thing i 've heard a lot of pastors talk about this and and there's this there 's some really interesting things in this chapter because it talks about you shall handle snakes and uh, you know and you can drink poison, and some people take that to the nth degree. I mean, how many know God gives you wisdom sometimes right <laughs> well i won 't even get on snake handling churches all right i 'll leave that one alone. Um, but uh, the manuscripts leave out, uh, you know, or or they may put a footnote in there, verses 9 through 20, that speak of the Great Commission. And so uh, here's another one. This, th- these are just small examples. I'm, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that the New Testament is wrong. But it's important when you're studying the Scripture to understand and know these things so you'll, that you'll be able to understand what's going on. Because if you get some bad information from somebody, and they want to put a spin on something and tell you, hey, that particular thing is not actually in there. Listen, or, or is in there that's not in there. Uh, it can cause a lot of of uh, uh, struggle and confusion. And the, and the devil wants nothing more than to confuse us, right? Amen? So look at this. Let me give you some advice. You ready for this? Whew. I'm going to give you some really good advice. This pastor being a shepherd right now, all right? Do not get your theology off of social media because there are a lot of people who will get on and argue all kinds of things on social media. Okay, and I've seen some I, what what seem like really nice people that that are trying to do something. Social media uh, or, or on a podcast, and honestly, man, they will they will steer people a certain direction. I, I saw a video this week. Of a guy trying to explain something, and I don't even want to get into it in scripture, that was so far out there. And and he said this, and I look, and I was like, man, what in the world? And so, you know, I did what any person does. I went and looked at all the comment section. Come on, you guys, don't don't act like you're mightier than than thou. You do the same thing, and and all I saw was people were like, you have got this out of context. You have missed this. You have got this, and. And, man, in my, I was a check in my heart. And I was like, this guy is deceived. And it's sad. You know, it's sad to see. And this guy has thousands and thousands of followers. And you know what? I, I will tell you this. Something that you can see time and time and time again in the New Testament is the Bible warns of false teachers. Well, they may mean well. Well, then, you know, they need to repent. Understand what they're teaching, right? All right. All right. I'll leave that alone. Okay. Moving on right here. Verse 8 says this. The spirit and the water and the blood and and these three agree. So um, just as the father, the word, everyone say Jesus. All right. The word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God, right? The word was God. All right. And the spirit bear witness in heaven. So the father, Jesus and the Spirit bear witness in heaven, the Spirit, uh, the water and and the blood bear witness on earth. So just as they do up there, they bear witness here on earth. So first, the Spirit bears witness that Jesus Christ is in us. So Paul would say it like this, uh his his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God, Romans 8:16, okay? That's so what it says, that his spirit bears witness that we are. How do you know you're saved? His spirit will bear witness with our spirit. So no matter how many people want to argue with me, and some people will point and say, you're not saved. You're not saved. It does not matter what they say. What matters is what the spirit of God is telling me and what that line up with the word of God. Amen. All right. Uh, how many would say this? I know I'm a child of God. You know how you know that? Because his spirit bears witness to you. All right. Second, the water bears witness that Jesus Christ is in us. So when um, Satan says, you are not saved, think back before you got baptized. I want you to think back when you got baptized. Um, Think about what made you want to go get baptized. What made you want to go get wet at church in front of a bunch of people and show them how your hair flattens down and right? What, what made you want to go get baptized? You know, uh, uh, it's, 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 there's this, the spirit drew you, the spirit drew you, and you're following the command of Jesus, and, and, and the water is confirmation to the world, and it is a reminder to us that the old is gone, and the new has come, amen? So, here's the third, the, uh, the third, the blood bears witness that Jesus Christ is in us. So, I uh, so I come to the table of communion and I and I drink of that cup. Right, I, I love that. I, I I love to do that. I, I embrace and I commemorate and I celebrate the the words of Christ and, and, and of what Christ did for me on my behalf. Every time I come to the communion table and I remember the price that He paid. Amen. And so the spirit inside of you, the baptism you went through, and the blood shed for you. All work together is one proof that you truly are saved. So, look at this verse. Verse nine says this: If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. So, Matthew three uh, seventeen, it was where uh, the Lord spoke. He said, "This is My beloved in whom I am well pleased." Amen. How many like to brag on your kids? That's what the father did right here. He's like, ah, that's my son. I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased in him. So if we believe uh, information given to us by mere people, how can we not believe the information and the wisdom that the Lord has given us? Sometimes we believe the information from mere people quicker than we believe the information that God is giving us in prayer, through supplication, through his word. Amen. All right. Verse 10. Whoever believes in the son of God has uh, has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. Everyone say it's all about Jesus. All right. And verse 11, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. Oh, how many like that one, right? And this life is in his son. So um, I'm going to make some bold, bold claims right now. Sorry, Islam, you missed it. Sorry, Jehovah's Witness, you missed it. All right. Sorry, Latter-day Saints. You missed it. The fact of the matter is life is in and is the Son of God. That's it. I I said it Sunday. I'll say it again. Jesus in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but through me or by me, in me. Look at this. Verse 12 says this. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoop, whoop. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Uh, in the Gospel of John, he added a phrase to this verse for greater emphasis when he wrote in John 3:36, but the wrath of God will abide on him. All right? That's really, really pointed. So, life, everyone say life. Alright. Life in the Greek. Life in the Greek, it's all Greek to me, but that word life in the Greek is is this word. It's called Zoe. Zoe. Everyone say Zoe. It's a weird, weird word. And it means this. Alright. Of the absolute talking about life. Of the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, which belongs to God and through him, both to the uh Hypostatic Logos and the Christ in whom the Logos put on human nature. I know that's a mouthful right there, but I want you to look at this definition right here. Is this life? Okay, life is this life, real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God. Come on, somebody blessed in the portion even this world of those who put their trust in Christ, but after the resurrection to be consummated by new ascensions among them a more perfect body, and last forever. Christ came that we might have life and life, what? The more abundantly, amen, I love that. Look at this, verse 13, verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Woo, amen. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So uh, how many have ever prayed uh, selfish prayers? How many have ever prayed dumb prayers? Some of you may have prayed this when you were younger. Lord, if you'll let me marry this person. No, come on now. Some of you are not like, you're like, I'm not even going to look at the pastor right now, right? If you'll look straight ahead, no one will know that I'm talking to you, right? I'm going to marry this person. And we prayed these things. I mean, think about it. We prayed these things when we were 13, 14, 16, like we had a real good clue on life, right? like we understood everything like the biggest thing for us was trying to decide what we want to eat for lunch at McDonald's right and that was our life problems man life is so hard right uh but but we pray these things you know and we would we prayed lord lord let me do this and let me do that and god's like oh you are not ready for that how many of you are parents in here some of you have older kids some of you have kids there that are growing up you know this and 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 sometimes your your kids have a aha kind of moment um you know Zaylee's at this point where she's kind of having an aha kind of moment like she's working now and 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 she made this she goes life is tough there's a lot of choices i said oh you just get ready and buckle up you don't even know you don't even know. You don't even have a clue how how life. Man, you can just be minding your own business, going down life, and all of a sudden, right, just hits you and knocks you down, right? And we, but but sometimes we we pray for things, and I, I'm so oh, I, I'm so glad that God ignores some of my dumb prayers, <laughs> right? How many are glad that that God didn't answer some of your prayers? Amen. There are moments, and and and, and hey. I I need it because sometimes I pray the most selfish things. God, me, God, me, 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 me. If you'll do this for me, Lord, if you'll do this for me. If you'll me, 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 right? And, And honestly, do you believe this or not, that God has your best interest at heart? He knows what's best for you. He not only has your best interest at heart, he knows what's best for you. And I think sometimes, you know, we pray these prayers and, and God doesn't answer our prayers because we don't know what we're praying for, right? Oh, some of you as parents understand this. Sometimes you let your kids make a decision, you know, as they get a little bit older and you say, all right. And then a little time comes by and they come back and be like, man, I don't know why that happened. You're like, mm hmm. I know why that happened because I told you before, right? You know, that's just me. I, you yeah, know, all right. But the, here's the thing: the key to know God that He hears our prayers is to pray this way, according to His will, not my selfish will. His will. What what does He say about it? Some some might say, "Well, God's not been answering my prayers," and you know, and um, sometimes we just pray amiss because we're, we're praying our own selfish desires, and it doesn't line up with God's will for us. So when we pray. Uh, you know, questions when we pray, things like this. God, help me to forgive them. Guess what? We're praying according to his will because God wants us to forgive people. God wants us to get over things. God wants us to let things go. Come on, somebody. Right? And God wants us to love people. So God hears us. So if your prayers aren't making it to heaven, here I'm going to give you some things here. If your, if your prayers aren't making it to heaven, investigate what you are praying. That's why you would hear, you know, David, of course, in Psalm 51, he, he said, you know, created me a clean heart, Lord. And, of course, obviously he had just sinned and he had made some mistakes. But, you know, uh, sometimes our motives are rebellious because of, of different things. Here's number one. Uh, sometimes it's a rebellious heart. Sometimes we have a rebellious heart in our prayers. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. it says this. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Sometimes the best thing I can do when I go into prayer is this, God, forgive me for sins of commission and sins of omission. Sometimes I just do them accidentally. I don't even realize I'm doing them, but sometimes I do them willfully. God, just forgive me. And here's the thing. The rebellion of sin in our lives tells us that God, you know, God will not answer our prayers because he is, you know, does he do that? Does he not answer our prayers because he's mean? No. No. Because he's mad? No. God ain't mad at you, right? It's because it's a sign of this that I'm not involved, uh, that God doesn't, that I've been involved in some sort of sin that has not been dealt with. Uh, You know, and I, I think it's, I think, and here's the thing if I don't deal with the sin in my life, guess what? It is going to wipe me out at some point. It'll catch up with you, all right? So God's unwillingness not to answer my prayer is not a punishment. But listen, it's not a punishment sometimes. It's a protection because I'm not praying his will. Here's the second thing that you can do this. Oh, this is going to get good right here. Everyone, if you're sitting by your significant other, look them in the eyes right now. You ready for this? Here's another reason that, that, that your prayers may not be answered. You're not honoring your spouse's. Oh, okay. You know what, Pastor? I was good until you said, that. "I'll deal with my own sins, but don't make me have to confess certain things." So, look at this. First Peter three seven says this: In the same way, your husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner uh, in God's gift of new life. Okay, you you're, you guys are equal in that—that that new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be, what, hindered. Woo! I just don't know why God's not answering my prayers. Well, maybe it's because there's an offense between you and your spouse. God's saying here he wants husbands. And listen, wives, you're not off the hook to walk in unity here. To walk in unity, the unity of love for one another and for the Lord. And so husbands, give honor to your wife and love her. And God will what? He'll hear your prayers. Uh, I like that. So sometimes God, you know, he won't answer them. He won't get back until you get back on track and honor and love your spouse. All right, here's the next one right here. Uh Uh-oh, it's getting better. Everyone say, oh, man, please get past this, Pastor. Please get past it fast. All right, here's the next one, offense, offense, Matthew five twenty three 23 uh, through 24, it says this, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So, uh, you know, I, I love this bit of scripture, when you come to the altar, the place of worship and petition and the Holy Spirit says, hey, you've got an offense over here or you know your brother's got something against you. You know what we're supposed to do? Get up, go and reconcile, and then come back and offer that gift. And so uh, um, make things right before you continue. If you're not hearing from the Lord, hey, Lord, is there an offense in me or does someone have an offense against me and I, do I need to make it right? Here's the next one, uh, uh, abiding in the Lord. So John 15, 7. Says this: If you abide in me, and my words abide, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So, if we're not in the Word, okay, if we're not in the Word, um, we can't pray in harmony with the heart of Jesus. Right? How how do I pray God's will? Know His nature. Know what He says. Now, is it God's nature that I forgive people? Is it God's nature that I love people? Is it God's nature that I speak the truth to people? Right? Is it God's nature that I let my business practices be wholesome and right and upright? Come on, somebody. Right? And, and so, uh, uh, you know, so we have to do this. So questions. Uh, let me ask you this. Is there is there any sin that you're harboring? Are there problems in your marriage? Is there a relationship that needs repaired? are you simply neglecting the word? Hey, you're hitting a brass ceiling sometimes in prayer? Hey, check these things off. Well, I'm not married. Well, don't worry about that one yet, all right? Check these things off. Verse 16 says this. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death... There is a, a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should uh, pray for that. So if you see a brother, let me, let me just kind of help you out here. If you see a brother or you see a sister sinning, right, pray for them, right? Pray for them that the Lord would convict them and that the Lord would help them to do the right thing. Sometimes we all want to go talk about them before we pray for them. Right? Oh, guess what? I saw so-and-so doing this the other day. Blah, 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 blah. And guess what? Woo, we're saying it too, right? So uh, uh, let me give you a good good example of this. When I was growing up, there was a season in my life, and I know, I know, I know God held me together because my parents were praying for me. There was a season in my life, listen to me, that I know some of you are, are praying parents. Listen, you ought to pray for your kids all the time. I mean, never stop praying for him. But I know that there were seasons in my life that I could have taken terrible turns. I could have done terrible things. And I believe that God helped me last and get through those things and make good decisions at times because somebody was praying for me. I honestly I am standing here today uh, I promise you I am standing here today Because a mom and a dad Who I didn't know probably and I probably figured they were praying for me But I may not have known what they were praying for me But when I had some decisions to make And some things that I could have taken bad paths on God helped me walk through it God kept me So here's the thing As believers we should intercede for for uh, People, Christians who are, who, are, who are sinning It's a you know, he said, I know that's an oxymoron, right, Christians that are sinning. But people that are believers that are, that are, that are making mistakes, how about that? Uh, it it is, is 100% of God's will for people to stop sinning. What's God's will concerning that? God wants everyone to stop sinning. Bottom line. So, so you know what? My job should be pray for them. I'm going to hold them up in prayer. They don't even know I'm going to pray for them. Matter of fact, I'm going to do it in secret. And they're never going to know. And they're not even going to understand why, what's going on with me? Right. So so providing we see uh, the believer sinning and 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 um, the sin does not lead to death. This is really interesting. So what does that mean? Uh, doesn't doesn't all sin lead to death? It, it Yes, it does. Eventually, yes. But death here uh, may mean a physical or a spiritual death. John says if a sin uh, unto death, uh, if that sin, if it's a sin unto death, don't pray for them. So what does that mean exactly? The sin unto death and some, uh, you know, this is really interesting, some scholars look at this one way and some look at another, is the rejection of Jesus Christ or the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's basically this, saying, hey, I I, I won't follow the Lord, I, I'm done, I, 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 I won't do it. And Genesis 6, 3 tells us that my spirit will not always strive with man. So listen to me, God's words, okay, God's words. Uh, um, and he said this, that people are, are mortal, and that they'll only live 120 years, around that time frame, okay? So, and that's in Genesis. So, uh, there comes a point in a person's life that uh, a no to the prompting of the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over again, if a person just rejects and finally rejects, you know? And so, how do we know if someone has gotten to that place? There's no way for us to know that. But you know what John says? Keep praying, all right? Uh, we we don't know and, you know we just there's there we may not know where they're at but we, you know we could just continue to pray and so uh, you know i I want to think about this how many remember jeffrey dalmer how many know of jeffrey dalmer right that great guy who murdered people and raped his victims and cut them up and put them in the refrigerator and ate them up right terrible terrible guy Did you know that in prison, he was led to Christ? And you know, he spent a greater portion, he he was killed in prison by somebody, but he spent a greater portion of his life in prison telling other people about Jesus Christ. Would God save Jeffrey Dahmer? (laughs) He loves him just like he loves you. I don't understand it. I don't understand it, but the closer I get to God, the more I begin to understand, oh God loves everybody right i i can't I can't always understand it so but here's what you know our job is to walk in the same grace that God has given us, right, and the same love that God has given us, and so look at this verse seventeen all wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not uh, lead to death, we know um, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. You ought to underline that in your Bible. I know, that's tough, right? That is, whoever is born of God does not practice sin. They don't make it a habit. They don't do it. They're not working uh, uh, getting at getting better in at sinning. So here's what I'll tell you. If it quacks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it looks like a duck, it's a what? Sinners sin. That's it. All right. So uh, you know the Bible says this. I mean, John's saying it right here. Hey, if you are born again, listen. You are you are doing everything in your power not to sin. You, you're trying. You're you're trying every avenue not to. So, but he who was born of God uh, protects him. So the original Greek text makes it clear that the word he refers to Jesus, and the word himself in the King James version is rendered. Him like here in the uh, ESV. So thus, Jesus, who is the begotten of God, uh, keeps him. So keeps who? Who does he keep? Point, Point yourself. Us. He keeps you and me. Us. He keeps us. Amen. How many are grateful for that? Jude 24 says this, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. So so that tells us that that the that, that the Lord will help us through this and the evil one does not touch him. Amen. I love this. This is what I know. Jesus got my back. And the wicked one can't do anything to me. So this tells us uh listen, I know This is something that somebody, you know, I, I was recently, someone asked me this question. tells us that demon possession in a Christian is impossible because we're kept by Jesus. If you're truly saved, listen, light and darkness cannot. Come on now. Right. All right. First John four, four. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So you you can't overcome the uh, you can overcome the devil. Come on. say everyone say you can. uh, Because of Christ in you. All right. Verse 19. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So this is the truth. Um, but we don't have to be in despair about it, okay? All right, just so you know, things will, um, will not be made right until Jesus comes back and he rules and reign, okay? Things will not be made perfect until then. Until then, uh, it's, it's pointless to pin our hopes to anything but the fact that Jesus is coming back and he is our hope. You hear me say that all the time. Jesus is my hope. I don't care what happens in this world. Jesus is my hope. Verse, verse 20 says this. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true in the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So i uh, just give you a little reference here. Remember, John's dealing with Gnostics here, people who are who are going after uh, the, the deity and and who Christ was. So Gnostics can be seen in anyone who worships their own concepts of Christ and anyone who idolizes his own intellectual theology about God. Have you ever been around somebody who's so self-righteous and knows so much about the Bible that they're, you, you can't even get along with them, right? It's like, I really appreciate you always, you know. And, and, uh, and so sometimes, listen to me, um, here's the thing, Gnosticism, it always manifests itself, listen, in pulling itself away from the body of Christ, I know something that you don't know. Come on, somebody, right? It pulls it away. Uh, uh, it and so I'll give you a good example of this. And in, in Judges seventeen eighteen, I'll do this quickly here. I'm uh, talking about this. There is a, a man in in the scripture named Micah. All right, Micah, and it's not the prophet Micah, but in Judges, but it's a man whose mother who who got some money and she gave. Gave Micah some money and gave and made two idols for him. All right, how many of you have ever heard this story in Judges? All right, this is one of those little stories. That kind of slides out, and some people are like, "What in the world is that even there?" Um, But so she gave him money, and she had these two idol graven images made. One was a silver calf, like the golden calf of Exodus 32, but it was silver, all right, a little little smaller. And the other one was a molten image, which was possibly, many scholars believe, a replica of the Ark of the Covenant, all right, containing the copy of the Ten Commandments, all right. So really, really interesting. So he has these two idols, and this is what Micah does, not the prophet Micah, not to be mistaken for him, but this Micah in, in Judges, he constructs a shrine for his idols. And and then he takes and he makes an ephod and uh, which is an article of, of clothing that priests would wear and he fashioned a teraphim which is a you know a family of gods and he's con, and, and he um, he consecrates his sons to be his priest. See all this stuff that's going on, man. This escalated really fast. And this sounds really strange to us, but Micah is this. He's showing us a symptom that's actually going on in the people of Israel in Judges because in Judges 21, 25, it says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Boy, that sounds like the world today, doesn't it? I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. No, 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 no. I'm going to do what's right in the Lord's eyes and in God's eyes. All right, so look at this. So then a, then a Levite, the story goes on, then a Levite, which is a priestly person, passes by. Uh, through the nation, and Micah, he jumps at the opportunity, says, hey, you're, you're an actual priest, right, and he's like, yeah, and so he's like, I will, I, you're a bona fide priest, I will hire you, you can come in, I have my shrine here, I got my whole thing, and the Levite's like, okay, if you're going to pay me to do this, and so, and so he's got this uh, designer religion here, Micah, okay, this is interesting, and his religion had four elements. It had a practical uh, convenience. There was a shrine. It's in his backyard. Hey, that's easy to go to. How many know that sometimes when you have to come to the house of the Lord, sometimes some days it's difficult, right? Right? Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's hard to get out of the bed. Sometimes it's hard to get in the car. Sometimes you're like, what, the, everything's fighting you to get here. Hey, that's convenient. It's right here in my back back door. So, and then there, his whole family was involved. His mom financed the thing. His sons were priests, Right? And he could have his family time and worship all at the same time. Here's another thing, biblical components. He had an ephod. He had a miniature ark. He had a copy of the Ten Commandments. He had a replica, right? Uh, all idols, right? Similar to reciting, you know, sometimes we, we have those things in our lives. I won't get further into that. Here's the next thing that he had, cultural tolerance. What does that mean exactly? Mixing the the teraphim, the, all the gods, with the Ark of the Covenant, he made him inclusive and politically correct. Everybody, all in, right? How we know that Jesus Christ is the way, Amen, and, and there's no other way to Him. So, but Hebrews uh, 10 um, or Micah, he had a man-made religion, and then what would happen is the tribe of Dan would come along and they would see them, they'd be like. What is this nonsense? And they rip down all his idols, and they, they they knock it down, and they take his priest away. And this is what happens. His religion was powerless because it was built on sinking sand. Hebrews 10.25 says this, For not, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. We are to worship as a family corporately because we need each other. Accountability, right, to keep us from what? Making idols. So, look at this. This is interesting. I, I know I'm spending a little bit of time on this. I'm almost done. In Shiloh, okay? In Shiloh, just a few minutes away from where Micah was in Shiloh in the Old Testament before they moved the the temple uh, to Jerusalem is where the the place that God dwelled, the tabernacle was there. And in the tabernacle, guess what, was the Ark of the Covenant, the real deal. And there was the true word of God. And there was the true priest. But while Micah, Micah dabbed in deception and idolized imitation, The real thing was just right down the road, really close to him. Hey, may this never be said of us. When we experience the real God, the Shiloh moments, Shiloh, talking about the tabernacle, or the tabernacle with God, all the other idols in our lives will begin to fall away. The Gnostic intellectual superiority will melt when we're drawn in with God's people. Amen. Here's the last little bit of scripture. I love this. I know. I went over tonight, but God bless you. All right. John says this, 1 John five twenty one. 21. Mm, 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 mm. I love the way this book ends. Little children, keep yourself from idols. You know, this phrase is simply profound and profoundly simple. Keep God in the right place where he belongs. Get closer to him. Know, know that Jesus Christ will draw you to the Father. Holy Spirit will lead you to Jesus Christ. And, 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 and whether it's Gnosticism, whether it's sinful idols, whether, whether it's addiction, I, it, it doesn't, let nothing get between you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, John, so wise. Such simple words, right? They're so true. Keep the idols out of your life, and you'll have freedom. How many want freedom in, in Jesus Christ? Man, keep Jesus in the right perspective.